Welcome to Adventology, the podcast dedicated to helping you be ready for Jesus. Here now is the host of Adventology, Travis Walker. Well, hello, everyone. How are you doing? I hope you are having a wonderful day. I know it is a privilege to be able to speak to you and to connect with you through this podcast. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate you for listening and supporting this podcast. Uh, I love the comments that I've gotten. Um, And if you haven't done so already, I really want to encourage you to subscribe and to rate and review it. It really helps spread the word about this podcast and how it gets ranked in the different uh, podcast search engines. So uh, we are all about being ready for Jesus here on Adventology. And if that's something that you are passionate about, then helping us really um, encourages others to find this podcast and can benefit from all the blessings and resources that we've been able to share over the last couple of years. And today is no different. I am excited to share a new resource, really, that is literally right hot off the press that um, Hope Channel has recently produced through the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. And uh, it's really a resource that uh, gets at the heart of what Adventology is about. You know, if we're going to be ready for Jesus, we have to know the truth. And the only place to find the truth is the Word of God. Um, We know that Jesus said, you know, the truth, if you know it, will set you free. And I truly believe that. I believe that truth that is also connected to the power of the Holy Spirit is what changes hearts, it's what changes lives, and it's ultimately what gives us the victory. It gives us a testimony to share um, the truth of Jesus, what he's done for us, and ultimately the answers that the Bible provides for all the challenges that we're facing in the world today. And so I know there's a lot of different ways to get connected to the truth. Uh, One way, of course, is just literally to read your Bible. (laughs) We hope that that you are doing that, but sometimes that's not easy for everyone to get into right away. And I know when I um, was teaching and uh, definitely trying to teach the Bible to to young people, particularly, I would uh, use a game called Swords, and it would be a game where I would just say the Bible text, and I'd have the kids uh, see who could look it up first, and I'd have prizes to give out to each kid when when they um, got that Bible verse first. And over time, you know, all the kids would get better at finding the Bible verses and knowing their Bible. And so games are a great way to connect people to the Word of God who are not necessarily familiar with the Bible. And of course, not all games are created equal. Uh, There are mindless games that I definitely would recommend you delete off your phone or off your computer if they're wasting your time that could be spent better on other pursuits. But some games really do um, have a purpose, and, and they're worth investing in. And uh, and so I'm excited today to have Pastor Sam Neves on the, the podcast today. He is the Associate Director of Communication of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and his main responsibilities are branding and digital marketing for the World mm-hmm. Church. Um, and he's especially behind the recent release of a game called Heroes 2. It's a game for your for your phone that you can download for free. I've already done so. I started to play it over the weekend. It was just li- released on Friday. And uh, we're going to be talking about that today and how games can be a great way of connecting people to the truth and ultimately helping them be ready for Jesus. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode today. All right, Sam, well, it is great to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm all right. Excited. Very excited. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah. So uh, tomorrow's a big day for you. And uh, just, you know, for people who aren't familiar with you and what you do, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, where you work, and especially uh, what's the big news, what's happening tomorrow? Yes, I am a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. I work at the General Conference, uh, which is like the global headquarters of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. 
in the communications department. I'm responsible for the Adventist brand and digital marketing globally. Um, I'm excited because tomorrow we are launching a game, a video game for mobile phones. A mobile game. <laughs> and it's it's amazing that the church is even looking at investing in games as a way to bring people closer to Jesus through the study of, of the Bible. So that's why I'm excited. 8 a.m. Eastern, Heroes 2, the Bible trivia game comes out in all the app platforms. Uh, I first was exposed to this at the game conference that you hosted back, I believe, in December, beginning of December of 2020. And that was a cool event. I mean, tell a little bit about what GAIN is about, and particularly this year, since we were dealing with COVID, it seems like that event probably took on more meaning and more significance than ever before. So how has the church embraced digital um, outreach over the last year, especially with with COVID? Well, almost 20 years ago, um, leaders from technology, communication, administration, and other areas started gathering to talk about this thing called the internet and how it can be used uh, for the proclamation that we have been called to to do. We call that the mission of the church. So how does digital technologies help us to fulfill the mission of the church? And over the years, this has become more and more important. As the internet has become ubiquitous, as everybody has access to it, as, as smartphones became, you know, it, it's even difficult to buy a phone that isn't smartphone today. So with all of this comes, of course, golden opportunities. And with the pandemic and the lockdowns, people just reverted to digital technologies for the launch of everything. And so GAIN last year that you attended, um, it, it is the global forum for world leaders in communication, in technology, in, in marketing, in evangelism, administration. All of us come together to discuss how to use technologies to fulfill our mission. And that's the event that we announced, uh, a project that we had been working on for the last two years called Heroes, which is a, a video game. The first is Heroes 2 because the first version was launched in 2013. And more recently, we realized that people are searching for Bible games. 250,000 people every month go to Google around the world and type the words Bible game or Bible trivia or Bible quiz. That's a quarter of a million people. And we had the possibility of, of launching what we believe could be the best Bible trivia game out there. Because most people that are searching for Bible games, they're not looking for the you know, the shoot-them-up Bible game. They're not looking for the open-world kind of game. They're looking for trivia. They're looking for questions, quiz-style games. So that's that's how this whole thing really came back to life. Yeah, that that is... I, I'm just uh, thinking back on my own childhood and, and my own uh, days growing up in the 80s and 90s, and I can remember... Uh, we, we had a Nintendo and there actually was, I don't know if you remember, but there was actually a couple Bible Nintendo games that were made and, and that was what I was allowed to play. So I could, I could not play the other, like I couldn't play Mario. I couldn't play Zelda or any of those games, but there were like two games that somebody had it made for, for Nintendo and, uh, and they were Bible games, um, at least Bible themed games. And, and those were the ones I was allowed to play growing up on Sabbath. And, uh, it's, <laughs> I, I always, I, I know that that is an important thing because there are so many people out there just looking for something a little bit more wholesome. And, uh, you know, because we love video games, all of us who've grown up basically from the eighties onward have, have grown up with this. It's part of our life. And, and I'm assuming it was a part of yours as well. So, Tell a little bit about your your experience and past with with video games and and just you know just your own coming into the church and and kind of uh, maybe some of the good and the bad connected to to video games in your own life. I, I think video games played a really important part of my development. Um, Atari was the first, and I begged my parents to buy an Atari. It was a you know little child, and I grew up in Brazil, so it was even harder to get access to technology. Uh, but I had an Atari. I learned to play it myself, to connect all the cables at the back and to get the remote and play endless times, you know, rally. And you had, a, you know, even the simple games. And 
the idea that you could take competitive people, disagreeable people like me, and put their energy to try and solve problems and, and become better at things is, is something that we don't give games enough credit for. You know, and, and this, is, this was the, the helpful part of gaming. And then eventually with Nintendo, Brazil had this common practice of uh, game houses. So there would be typically a, a, a house with, you know, 20 different consoles and people would come and hire for one hour, two hours, and they would come sit down and play for an hour or two. Uh, and they could also, you could rent it overnight. So you would come and pick it up when the, clause, when the, when the shop closed. And then you would have to bring it in the next day or at the end of the, of the following day and depending on the price and so on. So I did that a few times and spent all night playing. And I know there are people are listening to this thinking, how could parents possibly allow for this? I don't know how my parents allowed for this. My mother was a co-porter, very conservative Adventist. And I don't know, Super Mario was just a nice game to play. That's, that's how, you know, and... Yeah, so eventually they bought me a Nintendo and I became the center of the neighborhood because all the other kids came to play. Mm -hmm. And there is this idea that video games are bad because it, they isolate you. My experience is the exact opposite. You find community in gaming because historically, to play a game with somebody is to begin to trust them. You don't play games with people you don't trust. Right. So games have this inherent nature to them. But of course, there's also the dark side of games that we need to talk about. You know, there, you know, some games should not be touched. Um, other games are very helpful if you don't binge on them. Right. So there are, there are multiple things you need to be careful with with games, much like fire and knives and music and, and all the other media, television, radio. All of it can be positive and it can be terrible. And games is no different, except that games are probably more powerful. They're more powerful for good, and they can be more powerful for bad, therefore. Uh, so that's, that's my experience of, of gaming as a child. Then as a teenager, I went to a boarding school in England. My parents were crazy enough to sell their house in Brazil and sent me to study in, at Stanford School in Watford, North London. And I studied there for three years in my high school. And... Over there, I had a friend who, had a, who bought a computer, and I spent a lot of time, and when I say a lot, I really mean way too much, playing Warcraft at the time, and playing uh, Theme Hospital, and playing SimCity, and playing all these games from the 90s uh, that, that were so influential. I played the first GTA, which was a helicopter view, and it, the graphics were terrible, but the gameplay was, was pretty cool. And I played that too much as well. I, I would go and see my girlfriend on the weekends and I would spend most of my, my Sunday playing games with her brother instead of spending time with her. Thankfully, she endured that and today she's my wife. So it kind of worked <laughs> out. Uh, but anyway, it was, it was a lot of gaming in my teenage years. Yeah, I think I can agree. I mean, my, my experience growing up with games were, were very similar to what you're saying. I never enjoyed playing i mean i did a little isolating playing you know on my own but most of the time that i played the games it was when we'd have friends over it would be a, a social event in somebody's house and obviously this is before all the the um the web-based gaming that that came out um you know i get like you said in the late 90s you know and obviously into the 2000s but then you know when you grow up you you kind of start thinking well games are you know, especially in the church, people kind of have like this, this negative connotation to games. And, uh, and so what, when did you start getting this idea to kind of, you know, redeem gaming um, for the kingdom? Is this something that, that you saw after you became a pastor? Or is this something that, that is more recent? Like when did the, the kind of light bulb come on for you as far as seeing the potential for gaming for good? I was invited to a game conference in Hong Kong. Must have been 2012, 11, 12, something like that. And Steve Jobs had just died. And I was invited by the general conference to deliver a talk on what the church should learn from Steve Jobs. And so I researched a lot and I was excited to do that. And I went and delivered the talk. And it was clear to me in that context that we needed to to innovate somehow if we were going to reach billions of people. 
It, 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 for me, it was that simple. The way that we've been going, we're not going to reach billions of people. We're going to be talking about reaching billions of people, but we're never actually going to do it. Mm -hmm. So what would God bless in terms of methodology that would increase the potential of more people to see it? And then I went to visit a friend because in my high school years, there were a lot of Cantonese people from Hong Kong who studied in England because Hong Kong was still part of England in the mid 90s and of the United Kingdom. So I went to visit somebody and I took the, the tube, the metro. And on my way there, I looked and it was packed with people, right? Just, just lots of people. Asians, can, you can, they can pack a lot of people inside, inside one train. Uh, although New York probably can do the same and London and so on. Anyway, so I'm there watching people and everybody without exception is like this, either like this or like this. The option is not like this or with a book or looking up to the sky. No, they're either vertical or horizontally holding their phone. So I thought, my goodness, we need to get the gospel to their screens. It was very clear to me. We need to do this. And then I thought, let me see what they're doing. And I started snooping around, you know, just looking. They were all playing games, man. That's all they were doing. So it, it came as a, as a light bulb. I said, that's it. We need to make a game. So we came back to London, where I was a pastor in Wimbledon International Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I talked to some of my craziest friends. We all have crazy, we should all have crazy friends we can dream with. Right. And, and I, I started talking to them and they said, let's do it. Let's make this game. And I'm like, I don't even know what this looks like. I don't know. We need to make games. We don't make games. No, let's make a game. And so we made the first game and it was rubbish. It was just terrible. And we said, we can't release this. Okay, let's make another one. So we made another one. This is also terrible. And then the idea started emerging about a Bible-based game. So we thought of the 3D game and the world going through. And, and all of this, we thought, it's inevitable with the lack of funding that we have that this game will look terrible. And the world already has enough Christian projects that look terrible. You know, when God asked for the sanctuary to be built, he didn't say just pick up any cloth and put it on. Right. You know, everything was carefully crafted. And I believe that if we're going to do something, it has to be beautiful. It has to be amazing. So in talking to the team, they said, listen, there is no way we can pull off a AAA game here. So let's lower the proposal. Let's create the most simple form of, of a game there is, which is a, a trivia-style quiz game. But let's do it amazingly well. And that's exactly how Heroes 1 came to be. Thankfully, I had a few... You know, some crazy friends who left their jobs and dedicated two, three years of their lives to building the first heroes. Wow. It was, and, and these were not, you know, unskilled people. You know, afterwards, one of them went to be a, a senior developer at many British companies like Vodafone and, and other places and, and other companies. The other guy went to build the Disney apps, you know, so you have the Disney Plus and so on. He helped to build those. And... And so they gave the best that they could to God as a mission service. And what they could do was code right. and, 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 and program. And that's what they gave and so on. The artists gave what they gave best. And, and so suddenly you had these 20-something-year-olds who brought the best they could give to God and said, we're going to sacrifice our time and effort, but it's going to be epic. And it was 10 million minutes played for the first heroes. It was it was a phenomenal experience. So that's how the project started and where it came from. Wow. So this is something that is kind of going through round two as, as you've already um, kind of gone through the first version of, of Heroes. And, uh, and, and so what, what, is, what did you learn about Heroes, the game, you know, from your first time around? And, you know, what was some of the feedback that you got? And, and then how did that kind of play into this second round of the launch of Heroes 2? We learned from the first game that m most people don't know much about the Bible narrative. So we had, we made it for pathfinders who go to the Bible pathfinder experience, who are champions. So the first game, you can still download it on the App Store. It's and, and, and people have been downloading it a lot, actually, maybe because they're waiting for the second one. They're practicing. Um, in that game, you choose your heroes. You, can, you need to choose at least seven of them. 
and you've got 60 seconds to answer questions. But if you answer a question, if you get one wrong, it halves your time. So most people, the three mistakes and you're done. Right. And they play once, twice, three times, four times. They conclude that they don't know much about the Bible. <laughs> so the first thing we needed to change was the game mechanics for the second one. Uh, and so we changed that. In, the se- in Heroes 2, you start with only Adam and Eve, and your time counts upwards. You have 12 questions that you answer, and your score is how fast you can answer those 12 questions. Uh, so we changed the game mechanics. We also wanted a better emotional reaction with the player. So we made the, the characters 3D, and they at least interact somewhat with you. We are now in the process of... Uh, working with two different studios to create more reactions from the characters. By the end of this year, they will react to you. So if you get a question wrong, they will be very disappointed with you. You know, they will oh. either you know knock their heads and walk off, or they will clap and celebrate. So if you get it right, uh, or if you take too long to answer, they are going to be very impatient. Now that that process, what we've learned about games is that they're very very complex to make especially when you enter the 3D world. It's like, okay, we need you to animate it this way. Oh, that. No, I don't do that. You need a specialist for that. Everything you need a specialist for. Um, And when you get a generalist, they're like, yeah, this is the best I can do in this area. You need a specialist for that and for this and for that. And, of course, we don't have game developers in the church. So when we came to Heroes 2, we thought, okay, first, let me backtrack a little bit because this is important. Heroes was shelved for a long time because the the church invested a little bit in Heroes 1 and we couldn't invest anymore. You know, all of us were giving and and it just ended. And so we we shelved the project because we dreamed of the next iteration of Heroes. Let's not make a quiz. Let's make a 3D world, open world kind of game. And, you know, but that would need a couple of million dollars. And there is no way the church is going to put couple of million dollars into a game. It's only when we discovered that what people were looking for in terms of the Bible was not an open world kind of game. They were looking for trivia that we thought, oh, hold on a minute. We can give the absolute best trivia game out there. That that we can do. And that's what we set out to do in this uh, Heroes 2. So now that we are looking for developers, let me tell you, there are very few Adventist game developers in the world. Mm. Very, very few. And that comes with innovation. Can you imagine coming to HMS Richards in the late 20s and saying, hey, let's get, inc- um, I don't think you could find a hundred Seventh-day Adventists in the world who knew how to produce radio. Right. When Vanderman and Faithful Today, even before him, came to, to television, you couldn't find a hundred Adventists in the world who could operate a camera. Now there are thousands, millions perhaps, that could operate cameras. Um, then he came to, came to web you know, the next iteration. And at the beginning, you couldn't find Adventists who knew what they were doing, uh, you know, on the web. And now it's games. And we need we need parents to encourage their children not just to play games. That's almost irrelevant. They need to start making games. Become a specialist in making them because this is, this. there's no going back. Travis, there are 3.4 billion gamers in the world, man. It's half of the population pretty much. That's amazing. Right? It, it, <laughs> it's crazy, you know, and, and what, wherever people are, the gospel needs to speak their language so that they can really understand the love of Jesus for themselves. And gaming is that way. It's, it's, it's a way. It's not the only way, but it is the latest way for us to get there. Yeah, and I was just talking to Bill Knott uh, on the last episode. I had him on here, and we were talking about the the Adventist Review, and, and he he likes to refer to it as the first startup, right? And essentially, at the time, it was very innovative what James yeah. did by taking what they had and the technology they had at the time. And I totally agree. I see how the church has really always tried to embrace new technology, even though not everybody understands it at first. And I think that's happening now with an explosion of, of more podcasts and YouTubing that's happening which is the next iteration. But I believe, you know, this is even breaking even another frontier that we have not really gotten into before, uh, which is gaming. And even myself, I was like, wow, when I heard about it at first, 
it was new to me and I'm, I'm just super excited about it. So what is it that you hope that, that somebody who, let's say they're listening, they're going to download this app tomorrow or, you know, basically that when this podcast is released, you can actually go download it right now. So go and download Heroes 2. What would you hope that their experience would be playing this game? That they would have fun with the Bible. Amen. Because a game has to be fun. You know, if a game is not fun, it's not a game. So it has to be fun first and foremost. And we hope that they have fun playing it. Right? We, we really hope they do. And the, the, the thing about games is that the byproduct of the game is learning. So by having fun, you end up knowing the stories. We just hired two developers um, about two weeks ago. Uh, a senior developer and a mid-level developer. And we couldn't find Seventh-day Adventists, so we hired two secular developers. And as we were talking to them, two weeks later, they were joking in one of the sprint meetings. One turned to the other and they said, hey, um, where did Cain go after they left Eden? And the other one goes, he went east. And they started, you know, bent. Uh, uh, challenging each other with biblical questions. In two weeks, these guys knew all the questions of Adam and Eve and Noah, right? Because they have to test the game as they are developing it. So the byproduct of having fun is learning these stories. Once you learn the courage it took Esther to enter King Xerxes' room and risk her life to protect people that would otherwise have died through a genocide, once you learn the courage it took Mary to give Mary Magdalene, to give of herself to Jesus completely as, as a thank you. Once you learn the courage that it took uh, Daniel to stand up no matter what, you begin to be more courageous. And this is something that I took from that talk back in, in, in 2012, 20, um, um, 2011, 2012 in Hong Kong. In, inside the biography of Steve Jobs, when he comes back to Apple after having been kicked out of Apple, he comes back and he says, we need to reinstill the Apple identity in our employees. And somebody asked him, I said, how do you reinstill identity? And he said something that I still get goosebumps today. He said, well, that's simple. You just need to remind people of who their heroes are. Mm. Wow. And that just hit home, man. Because as soon as you know these stories and you've internalized these stories, both the good and the bad and the ugly and the amazing, then you start recognizing in your life how God deals with your life. So the the outcome of the game is that you will learn how God has handled and, and revealed himself and worked with people in the past. And you start to notice that in your life today. It's a natural process. And you do it by having fun, by challenging your friends, by playing together, by, you know, it, it, Vespers. You know, we, we call it Vespers Friday night when you, when you welcome the Sabbath together as a family. Why not put the game on the television and answer a few series together with the family? Do you know this story? Do you know the meaning of this story, of, of what this question is about and so on? Um, you know, so you can play together with others. You can play by yourself, but have fun with the, the, the scriptures. The second part of that is that send it to your friends. Send the link to your friends who are not Adventists, mm-hmm. but already have some notion of the Bible. So this game is not for the atheist who knows nothing about the Bible. If, if they don't even like the Bible, don't send them the game. Send them something else. The game isn't it. Okay. It's, it's Let's define that. Uh, because you need to have some knowledge of scripture. I mean, the heroes are attractive enough. You can go to heroesbibletrivia.org and and see the graphics. I mean, they're absolutely amazing graphics. These are not your average Sabbath school drawings. Okay. So that's, that's, uh, it's, it's very clear. It's a different kind of project, but your Christian friends, or maybe people that grew up in the church and left, uh, either Adventist church or another, it doesn't matter if they have some notion of the Bible, they're going to have fun with it as they register. And as they play, we are sending them three times a week an email and notifications about something we call the big questions, which are bigger Bible questions. What happens when you die? What does the Bible say about this? What about that? So we took the search engine optimization results for the top 20 religious questions that people ask in the United States. 
And we took those questions and we created a beautiful narrative around the heroes. So when you talk about death, you have, you know, Adam and Eve saying, we never imagined it would hurt this much. And you have Noah coming and saying, no one saw more death than me. And then you have, you see, it, it's the heroes that are giving you that Bible study, if you will, that are sharing with you the different parts of the Bible that talk about these topics. Uh, some of them are, are difficult topics to handle. Like what does the Bible say about homosexuality, for example? Mm -hmm. You know, what does the Bible say about racism? Some are very, whatever people are searching Google for, and every six months we check again, uh, we create new questions based on that. And everyone who plays the game gets that glimpse, this Bible study series, which they can then, and if they want a prayer, we can pray for them. If they want to connect to a local church to ask more questions or join a, a bigger Bible study, we have that process too. And this game is being released by Hope Channel North America, Hope Channel International, which is also Hope Channel North America. Why? Because Hope Channel has all of the setup for Bible studies. And around the world, it is Hope Channel who is launching it. And you mentioned, Bill, I am so inspired by Adventist Review because they've always been innovating. And they're innovating today. I've, I've just been with, you know, some of their team and and between Jared and, and, uh, and Derek and Daniel and Bill, Greg, all of the team. They're constantly innovating. And, and I love it because we need to innovate in any different directions. Maybe in the future we'll have a collaboration with the Review and Heroes and Hope Channel and all of us together uh, because we all have one objective, to help people understand the Bible, to find freedom, healing, and hope in Jesus. That's our goal. So anything that can help people understand the Bible, Seventh-day Adventists are in. Amen. And, yeah, when, when you think about... Um you know, just the whole trajectory of, of the Advent movement, you know, it, it has always been, it, you know, rooted in the scriptures, right? I mean, when you go back and, and we've, you know, talked about on this podcast before, just the, you know, the Reformation and then moving into the William Miller's study and, and just, and it's always been the Bible and getting back to the Bible that has inspired revival and, and understanding things that maybe were lost sight of, um, or ignored, and, and then and then just kind of a re-discovering uh, of, of this truth that has always been there. And so what I hear you saying is that um, with so many people playing video games, a lot of there's a lot of biblical ignorance out there, despite the fact that there, you know, the Bible is so um, available more than ever before, right? I mean, digitally, print-wise, I mean, there's just never been an easier time to to read the Bible, and yet to some degree there's a lot more ignorance um, about the Bible and even simple stories like you just said about, you know, Adam and Eve. We take for granted if we've grown up in the church, but even that story to some is is, is not as well-known as, as many might think. So, so what I hear you saying is that a, a game can also be a, a gateway into just wanting to dig deeper into the Word of God. And so people who, who do download this game and get into it will have opportunities to grow um, in their in their walk with God and, and to grow deeper in their Bible knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. There are, there are two ways the enemy keeps us from the truth. One is that he hides the Bible, and you end up with the Middle Ages. Right. Where you have witch hunts. The other is to flood you with so much information that you get lost in it. We are bombarded by 5,000 brands trying to communicate with us every day. And we have new kinds of witch hunts, don't we? Simply because we don't have a foundation for truth. You know, it's, it's never been easier to speak up. We are recording this podcast and potentially thousands of people are going to listen to it. Right. Right. Maybe even tens of thousands if this really takes on. Right. But at least thousands of people could listen to it. It's never been easier to speak up. But it's never been harder to be heard. Mm. Being heard is really, really difficult. So unless you're willing to put in your best graphics and to put in your, your best foot forward and launch to the world something that would absolutely arrest their attention, you're not going to be heard. And Heroes is one of many projects the Adventist Church has with the goal of arresting people's attention. Because 
the message that the Bible brings is not a message for just a better life in the same way that a life coach or a better diet could give you. It's a matter of eternal life and death. This thing matters, right? It's, it's not just, you know, the entertainment value of whatever else. No, it, it matters. It, it could decide someone's eternal future. Amen. And to think that a game could help somebody decide their eternal future and build their life on the teachings of Jesus. I mean, it doesn't get better than this, in my opinion. You know, it's it's one creative way of of achieving that. And I and I'm so thankful for the 200 people who took part in the game, because that's the thing about games. You know, it's it's not a couple of friends in a basement that build something like this. You need a lot of people helping and helping in every possible way. Um, so that's that's the exciting part that the whole team is 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 vibrant with the opportunities and the possibilities. Amen. So so just uh, to to get a little granular, what what is some of the features of the game that you're most excited about? I mean, you've you've kind of shared a, a little bit, but just just for maybe five minutes or something, like let's get into some of the some of the features that you talked about in the promo video, like um, you know, getting into the game, like how how does it actually work? You you you're you're moving along, you're answering questions, you're unlocking um, heroes. I mean, kind of just give a little bit more yeah. of a kind of a, a picture of overview of, of where, where the game takes you. Sure. So a game session has twelve questions. And every time you answer one correctly, so there's a question that a hero is bringing you in first person. So Mary Magdalene could ask you, you know, what's the name of my brother? And then you have four options at the bottom. Um, And one of those options will be correct. And your goal is to choose the correct option in the fastest possible time. Okay? There are, out of the 12 questions that forms a match, a game session, you have four that are easy, three that are medium, two that are hard, two that are impossible, and one that is absolutely impossible, okay, <laughs> which is the last one. It, it, it's pretty, it's crazy. Now, in order to answer them properly, you're not alone in this. You can have special power-ups we call effects, okay? So, for example, one of the effects, the cheapest effect, you play one game, you have enough mana to buy the effect, and that's the Daniel effect. And already you're wondering, what is mana? Mana is what you collect as the internal currency of the game. So the more correct questions you answer, the more mana you collect, which gives you the opportunity to buy power-ups, which help you answer the questions correctly, which gives you more mana, and then you get more power-ups, and then you just keep growing and playing and growing and playing. So then with the Daniel effect, for example, it reveals the Bible passage where that answer is found. And, and so if you're lost, I don't know what to do here. Which is the right answer? You press the Daniel effect. It reveals that it's in, in Genesis chapter 34, verse 3. And then you pick up your Bible because that's the point of the game is leading you to the Bible. You right. read, okay, done. That's the right answer. And then you don't forget it. Next time that question comes up, you know the answer. Um, so that's the Daniel effect. Let's talk about more of the effects because you asked me what my favorite part is. The effects. Okay, okay. They're, they, they are my favorite part. So when you start the game, there is a strategy to this. The first 20 minutes, 30 minutes of playtime, you should focus on the Friday effect and the Elijah effect. The Friday effect gives you double mana. So remember how mana fell in the desert twice on Friday? And so they didn't need to pick up on Sabbath? Right. That's the Friday effect. Yeah, so when that. you activate the Friday effect, you get double mana on a question. Nice. Next, you have the Elijah effect, which gives you a double portion of XP. XP is experience points. Every time you answer correctly, it, you grow in XP and therefore in your own level. It's like an RPG. You know, you start with level one, then level two, level three, level four. And Elijah effect gives you a double portion of XP, which makes you unlock the heroes faster. So, you know, uh, Adam and Eve is open when you get the game. Uh, Noah is on level two or three. Um, Moses is on level five. Ruth, you know, and and the more difficult it gets, the more the heroes have higher levels themselves. I got you. Because each hero can grow up in level. 
Now, if you're utterly confused about this, it's okay. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to, to the gamers out there who need a strategy. Right, right. Uh, and I'm, I'm giving you the strat. You know, you, th this is what you do. You focus on building your mana, building your XP at first. After 30 minutes doing this, then you go for the uh, jo Joshua effect. Do you remember how the time stopped for Joshua so that he could keep fighting? Yeah. The same thing happens. When you activate the Joshua effect, you have an extra five seconds to answer that question. That's so okay, cool. So that's, then you begin to, to get uh, faster timings. And there are more effects like the Lazarus effect. You activate that and you answer a question wrong, you're resurrected. And then you can answer the question correctly. And that's, that's Lazarus. The Jonah effect, uh, you get to skip the, the question like he tried to skip the mission. Right. Um, and there are many others. The Jesus effect, the Abraham effect, the revelation effect. People are going to love it. And so, so that's that's playing. So you can play against yourself and try to beat your own times, or 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 you yes. just try to. And then you can also play against other people too. Right? I saw one of the recent videos you guys had. You were talking about um, playing against one another. So how how would that yeah. work? Explain yeah, that one a little bit. That's really cool. So there is a, a global ranking, and so you can check against the the rest of the world in terms of. How many? I think it's XP and, of course, your timing. So how fast can you answer it? And there are some people that using the effects, they got to like seven seconds, all 12 questions in seven seconds. Wow. Um, so it's, it's pretty crazy. The final effect and the most powerful is called the revelation effect. It costs a fortune. It costs you 144,000 mana. <laughs> okay, you see the symbology there. Yeah, yeah. So it's 144,000 mana is the revelation effect. But... It's very good because it halves your time, right? Time times and half a time in the prophecy. Well, yeah. if you get all 12 questions correctly, it halves your time at the end. Wow. So if you really want to go, you put the Joshua effect. Every question, you get an extra five seconds. And then at the end, you even get a, a revelation effect, which halves your time. But then we're talking about pros. We're talking about professional players that have played for like 10 hours, 20 hours. Uh, it takes about 15 hours to clock the game, to open all the heroes, etc. Some people do it a bit faster. Uh, but for those, they will get to the top scores very quickly. And the game launches tomorrow. All the beta testers, we're zeroing everybody's scores tonight. Oh, so by the time okay. you wake up, it will be zeroed. Everybody starts from scratch, including me. <laughs> so I'm gonna be I'm gonna be trying to get to the top of of that score there quite quickly, um, and you know if you have a teenager that's listening to this, you your strat will probably get you to beat your pastor pretty easily, uh, <laughs> which which will be pretty cool. So how does it work to challenge your pastor? Once you play a game, you have a button at the end, which is the challenge button, and it's very simple. You click the challenge button, your phone will load up your contacts. Um, Actually, the screen, the sharing screen, and you can choose whether you're going to share it on email or chat or or SMS or on Instagram, or you're going to publish your link to uh, to Facebook or elsewhere. What does that mean? It means that anyone who clicks the link will play the same twelve questions you just played. Okay, and they can use their effects. You can use your effects. You can they can use their effects, and in the um. end, ta-da! You've got a beautiful way of of playing together and seeing because everybody will see your score and theirs. You know, everybody who clicks that link will see who's winning. And, you know, if you, let's say there is a Pathfinder leader or a Sabbath school leader, they can play this, send the link to everybody. And in the, in the, in the Sabbath school or at home or wherever, and everybody plays the same 12 questions and you immediately have a, a, a score. So local youth leaders can use it for that as well. So just roughly, like, how many questions are built into the game that you know of, like, right now? I mean, are, are, like, just do you have an idea of, like, like the number? Between two and 3,000. Wow. Yeah. For now. And it, we have a plan on, on increasing that considerably. Expanding, yeah. I can imagine, yeah, like, youth gatherings in the future where they have, like, a Heroes 2 battle, you know, for, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's so cool. I, I just I just love the 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 innovation and the, the, I just, I can just see how um, this is, is just going to be another uh, door, another opportunity for us, you know, and, and especially 
when, when you're trying to connect to someone where they're at, right? Jesus always meets us where we're at. Like we always, as a church, you know, you know, we, we sometimes want to pull people up here and they're, and they're not quite there yet, but you know, a, a video game, you know, you can just say, Hey, check this out. You might like it. And, uh, such an, an easy way to witness, right? Even if you're not a gamer to know that this exists, that you can share this with people and that potentially can be a tool that leads them to Jesus um, is, is an amazing uh, opportunity. So uh, thank you so much, Sam. I mean, I, I'm just, and all the team, you know, I just, on behalf of the church, uh, I'm just one pastor, but I just, uh, I love that we have a new resource that we can share and enjoy with our families because this is something we can do together to um, grow in our own knowledge of, of, uh, of the Bible. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I, I'm just a small cog in a very large team, and I do my best to even understand what the guys are talking about. But really, it's it's them who are leading the, the, the drive for the for this innovation. We just need to listen to new generations and and do what we can to to harness their own potential and focus them on something that is evangelistic and not just novel. Because I've been part of, of many different projects, and you see this. It, it's just a novelty factor. There is no evangelistic uh, uh, framework behind it. it. There is no proclamation that is expected from it. It's just innovation for innovation's sake. And I no longer take part in those projects because we don't have the time for that. You know, our time is short. Jesus is coming and we need to do our best to direct people to the word as fast as possible. Amen. So kind of as we as we wrap up the this podcast today, just... You know, as, as you look ahead, as you see, uh, you know, heroes too. But just generally speaking, you know, you're you've let out in the game conference. You're seeing all the innovation happening around the world. What gives you hope? You know, I mean, I believe Jesus is coming soon. I know you believe Jesus is coming soon. How do you um, share hope with people, particularly with this, but just in general in your role at the general conference? Well, we have what, what we call the Digital Evangelism Initiative, which is a large-scale project that hopes to bring the Adventist church to the 21st century. And, and not just one part of the church, but the entire church. Uh, the game we're playing is for every medium-to-large Seventh-day Adventist congregation to be active and, and ready uh, to provide pastoral care and evangelism to their community through social channels, social media channels and, and otherwise. So that's the that's the dream, and there is another project that is going that is much larger than Heroes, which we can talk about in another podcast called Adventist Teams. Oh, okay. It's also in it's in beta at the moment. It will stay in beta for a while, uh, but it's the foundation of that project is to allow lay people, especially, to have a team of digital missionaries that they lead, and I think that's the project that would really cause the revolution. Because Heroes is it's a phenomenal project. I love it, obviously. And I'm very excited. And the goal of Heroes is three to five million Bible studies, by the way. You know, wow. subscriptions to Bible studies. Three to five million people doing that. And if if we get that, there is a chance that the church will look at it and go, five million people studying the Bible for this kind of investment? Well, it wasn't that much after all. You know what? Let's invest in more games. Right. And then we build a proper studio and we we build the next game and maybe even in the future a triple A game that we can present the truth properly and in a way that people understand. But that, I don't think that's the, the key yet to unlock, you know, the latter rain, as we call it, the, the last proclamation that would really bring the, the um, you know, the, the final events as we see them. Not that we will do it, but we will, you know, if the Bible is to be taken seriously, we have a part to play Amen. in this final proclamation. So I think that Adventist teams is much more of that kind of project because it will allow for individual Seventh-day Adventists to build a team that can do their best in their locality. You know, Heroes is still a, a general conference project, which is good, uh, but it's not the general conference that will do this. It's individual people. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, missionaries to their friends and family and others. So I... You know, Heroes is one part of, of a much bigger strategy, a much bigger plan. The Digital Evangelism Initiative only has three stages. Number one, helping people find us. Search engine optimization, games, YouTube videos, whatever 
it takes to help people find us. Once they find us, second step, we help people find Jesus because it's not about us. So we point them to Jesus by helping them understand the Bible. You know, we, some people are under the illusion that it's Adventists who bring healing or hope or freedom. It isn't. All we do is help people understand the Bible. They meet Jesus and it's Jesus who brings those things to them. So we help them find Jesus. And once they find Jesus and give their lives to him and join this remnant movement that is trying to reach the world to prepare you know, people for the second coming, well, then the third stage is helping people find others. All right? And, and that's the point. You can't just be uh, entertained by Adventist projects all your life. Your call is not a call to entertainment. Your call is a call to adventure, to mission, to proclamation. And perhaps in another podcast, we can talk about Adventist teams, but that's the, it's a much broader view of how all of this plays together. Yeah, and I think that's really what, um, you know, what, what this podcast is, is about. You know, we're, we're here to equip, we're here to educate, and we're here to inspire because, uh, like you just said, it, it is about not just hearing the word, not just reading it, but but actually doing it, actually going and 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 becoming part of the game. And I love that metaphor for discipleship, right? Jesus is calling us on the field, not to sit in the sidelines and watch in the in the stadium, right? He wants us to be on the field. He wants us to be yeah. active, and uh, and I think that's the, the universe. The universe is on the stands. We are in the field. We are we are there, getting muddy and and getting it. Yeah, that's right. I love it. So, so, so with, with just kind of to wrap things up with uh, heroes, talk to the listener right now. What should they do? How can they implement heroes as a, as a tool for themselves and the people that they care about right now? All right. Three steps. Step one, download the game and have fun. <laughs> Step two, share it with your friends so they can have fun and you can have some healthy competition with them. Step three, Bring it to your church and involve others in playing the game and learning the stories that are in Scripture. Those are the three things that I would do immediately. In fact, that I will do immediately once it comes out to everybody. All right. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Adventology. I want to encourage you right now to check out Heroes 2. Uh, you can find it in the App Store by just typing in Heroes 2 Bible Trivia. Uh, and a reminder, right, why do we do this? Well, the, the trivia game will help solidify the truth in our minds, and it's a great game to share that will help others learn the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So we want to help as many people as possible find the truth, to get back in the Word of God, to connect them to the Bible, ultimately, hopefully, to get into a Bible study, and, uh, and that's, that's what we're all about here in Adventology. So if you, again, I want to encourage you, if you have any suggestions or, or for, for resources or for interviews or topics that you'd like us to cover here on Adventology, please reach out to me at Travis at Adventology.com. Um, subscribe to the podcast. It's free. And uh, again, just rate and review it. It is a privilege to be able to come to you and, and share if you want to support us, you can always do that as well. Uh, we we just appreciate your support just by downloading this episode and praying for us and praying for me. And so uh, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Uh, we'll be back here again next week for another episode of Adventology. But until then, Maranatha. <laughs>